The following podcast represents the opinions of the host and is for educational purposes. These are not accusations, and everybody is innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. Due to the graphic nature of this episode, listener discretion is advised. There was a lot to do about coming home and listening to that Metallica song. Have you heard about that? I've heard, about, I've, heard, I've heard of a Metallica song that people have been, someone sent me lyrics to a help battery. Do you remember doing that? That was uh, Nikki Bessinger. She liked the song or she just wanted to know what it meant. Oh. So I just, that's why, that's I, why you looked it up? I just kind of looked at the, I didn't have the CD with me, so I didn't, okay. you know, I just kind of looked at the words a little bit. And was that on the way home? Oh, that was just a different time. That was a different time. Okay, and, and so the media probably got a little bit because it's a battery. Right. Okay. But it's like you know, it's it's a more about like a like a family coinciding as a battery. Okay. You know, not like you know hitting somebody. Sure. Yeah. Why did Nikki want to know what it meant? Like, how did that come up? No, it was it was kind of strange. I mean, she she's very into different types of music, and <clears throat> I mean, music I never really thought I'd ever listen to. And like she got me into a few things there as far as music was, but like battery was just something that she asked me because I knew I knew Metallica pretty well. She just wanted to know like, hey, what's this? What's this? The lyrics mean? You know, I just down, yeah, just looked it up, just to look at all the words together and just put it in, put it in my head again, and all that. It just made something out of nothing. Since this crime occurred, the question of Nicole Kessinger's possible involvement has lingered in the air, and. Up until recently, I still had my doubts. But in the court of public opinion, she's already guilty. From what I've been able to piece together from my research into this case, it appeared that Chris and Shanann's marriage had been plagued by conflict, and the cracks were starting to show long before this tragedy even took place. And over time, these cracks grew. The fractures of the relationship held together by the thinnest shred of hope. But then at times, the family seemed so happy and perfect that I wondered if maybe I was wrong. Did I misread something or take something the wrong way? The videos posted to Shanann's Facebook page show no signs of a marriage in trouble. But the more I read, the more it was clear that things weren't perfect. In previous episodes, I discussed the trouble Shanann and Chris experienced when they first got married, and the shift in their life that ultimately brought them to Colorado. But they got through that, and the relationship grew stronger because of it. Fast forward seven years, and the memories of that happy family are now nothing more than just a digital footprint a time capsule for anybody to go and look at. Just moments frozen in time, and a family that once was. Anybody who watches them must wonder, what happened? On February 18th, when those agents visited Chris Watson prison to chat, they had an agenda. His case was closed and they made that clear from the start. They were just interested in hearing the full story. They didn't get to ask him everything they wanted to before he was arrested. They didn't have the chance to flush out the why. Or, most importantly, the who. Anybody familiar with this case would agree that Chris Watts has no criminal mastermind, and on the killer meter would rank far below your Ted Bundys out there. But I think he's smarter than we realize, and I think he's more sinister than anybody could have ever imagined. Do you remember that clip I played at the start of the show? Chris described Nicole asking him to look up the lyrics to a Metallica song called Battery. I admit I wasn't familiar with the song, so I looked up the lyrics. Lashing out the action, returning a reaction. Weak or ripped and torn away. Hypnotizing power, crushing all that cower. Battery is here to stay. Smashing through the boundaries, lunacy has found me. Cannot stop the battery. 
pounding out aggression turns into obsession. Cannot kill the battery. Cannot kill the family. This is the Watts Tapes. I'm your host, Garrett, and this is the third chapter in the weekly installments. What I remember, I even said, can we move to Brighton? <laughs> Just to get away from, like, this house. Oh. But, like, I'm not sure if that was, like, like, in the beginning or the end of part of the conversation or whatnot. And that conversation was so many different ways. Like, they had gone from, like, staying together to not staying together to just, like, all of the above. Okay. So this is half an hour, an hour or what? Uh, uh, definitely not more than half an hour. I think. Okay. I don't think. Are you crying? Is she crying? Yeah, it's, it's back and forth. It's like, you know, she's, she's got, you know, mascara. She didn't wash her face when she got home. She had makeup on still, so mascara was running all over her and stuff like that. And yeah, it was and nothing nothing about that conversation. I just wish I could take all of it back. Just be, just the, the whole Nikki thing back, everything. But so then when did it turn? As far as that conversation? Mm-hmm. Just at the end, when I was telling her, like, I, I, I told her I didn't love her anymore. That's what happened. What happened? That was Chris Watts describing the moments leading up to the murders of his pregnant wife and two daughters. He just snapped. He never planned on it, never in a million years. He just felt like he had to do it. In that moment, there was no stopping him. He was in a rage, unplanned and out of control in those final moments. That's his story, and that's what's on record. But, I'm not so sure that's really the case. On August 9th at 11.44am, just one day before Shanann would leave for a Thrive conference in Arizona, Chris texted her a picture. Spread out on a black leather sofa is a plastic doll, laying on its back roughly three feet tall. The doll's head rests on an orange pillow and its feet propped up against another pillow, elevated into the air. And the doll is covered with a white sheet. It almost looks like a dead child. Actually, no, it definitely looks like a dead child. I thought this was not only a weird thing to do in general, but what makes it even more strange is the fact that he would take a picture and then send that picture to his wife. Maybe it was just a bizarre coincidence, but it seemed to me like he had a plan. As usual, Shanann posted the photo to Facebook with the caption. I don't even know what to think about this. Then Shanann explained that her daughters were responsible, which is kind of hard to believe. Three days later, Shanann and her two daughters would be reported missing. On August 9th, after Chris had sent Shanann that photo of the doll covered in a white sheet, appearing dead, Shanann sent a picture to a friend of hers. In the photo, she was holding up a handwritten letter. Without going into the details of the letter, she poured her heart out to Chris, and she told her friend she hoped that Chris would send her one back. Then Shanann noticed that Chris had deleted his Facebook account. She texted him, why did you cancel your Facebook account? But he didn't answer. Two hours later, Shanann received an Amazon confirmation. It was a book entitled Hold Me Tight, Seven Conversations for a Lifetime of Love. And Shanann also announced their son will be named Nico Lee Watts. But she told her friends they weren't going to tell anyone the name until that coming Monday and to keep it a secret. Then, on August 10th, 
Shanann left for a Thrive conference in Arizona. So you guys wrapped up, wrapped up in the Thrive thing together? Yes, and we so, left together, we flew out together, and we flew back together. Okay, so you guys, was there a, like a Thrive convention this last week? There weekend? was a training in Arizona okay. that some of the top leaders of the company were putting on. Okay, where was it in Arizona? Scottsdale. That was Nicole Atkinson describing a Thrive conference she attended with Shanann the weekend of August 10th. Nicole was a close friend and work associate of Shanann's and would play a key role in this case. Okay, so you pick her up at 4.30 at her house. She's got the carry-on in her purse. Mm -hmm. What kind of purse does she have? It was a Dolce & Gabbana, like beige colored. It's beige. in the house too. Okay. I found it in her office when we went through the house. So it was in the office? Yeah, it was in her office, okay. like right inside the door. I don't know how I walked past it as many times as I did because I was, when we went in, I was, I was concerned about Shanann because mm -hmm. uh, I can let you ask your questions. I can tell the story as you ask them or I can just tell you. I don't know. Well, kind of just kind of muddle through this. So okay. Just keep going. I'll, I'll interrupt and have a question. So <clears throat> I was concerned because normally when we come back from these, she harasses me and I don't want to say harass me, but she harasses me the next day. Like, come on, let's call people. Let's get things going. Let's work business and uh, she didn't call it or she didn't text that morning like usually I have a text message between 6 30 and 7 30 from her if she wants to do business or wants to get together or whatever and I had signed up a new promoter over the weekend so we had plans to go to lunch with her at 1 30 and um I woke up at like 7 45 that morning and I didn't hear anything from her I thought it was odd but I know we were both tired so I rolled over and went back to sleep and then I woke up and I still hadn't heard anything from her so I texted her Nicole Atkinson really was a great friend to Shanann. She really cared about her, and it would be her concern for a friend that would set in motion the sequence of events that would eventually shatter the small town of Frederick and the rest of the world. Shanann was great at what she did, and she really believed in what she was doing. That weekend, Shanann would open up to her friends. She would spill her heart out and start to hint at the events to come. Later that day, Chris's dad asked him if he deleted his Facebook account. Yes, sir, liberated myself, he answered. Chris' dad asked him, If she's gone, do you think we could FaceTime with the girls tonight? Or do you think that's a good idea? Don't want to get anything started. Chris told his dad that he feared Bella would tell Shanann. That's what I'm afraid of. If she finds out, she would probably have a fit. Don't want to make things worse. Chris agreed. Shanann still hadn't forgiven Chris's mom for giving her daughter nuts and putting them in danger. They were on thin ice already and Chris's dad clearly didn't want to make things worse. Chris was under her thumb, and he didn't want to cause any trouble. Just as Shanann was getting off the plane and walking to get her luggage, Chris was texting a friend of his, Jeremy Lindstorm, to ask if his daughter would be able to babysit for him. So just for the, so the recording knows, your dad is Jeremy? Yes. And Jeremy knows you're talking with me right yes. now? Yes. Okay. So how long have you known Chris and Shanann? Um, my dad used to work with them, and I think I got to meet them when I was around six or seven years old. So Jeremy is your dad? Yes. And who did he work with? He worked with both of them. They both worked at Longmont Ford. Um, Shanann was a salesperson, and Chris was a mechanic. Okay. So when's, how many times have you babysat for them? Just once. Once. And when was that? Saturday night. Okay, so today is the 14th. Mm -hmm. Monday is the 13th, Sunday is the 12th. So the 11th. So the 11th. Yes. Okay, so you babysat for them on Saturday, 
what time did you start babysitting? 4.30 p.m. 4.30 p.m.? Yes. And who asked you to babysit? Um, Chris had contacted my dad. On what day? Um, Friday. Do you know what time? Uh, no, I do not know what time. And he asked? He asked if I could babysit their kids while he went to the Rockies game and Shanane was out of town. Do you know who he was going to the Rockies game with? Um, he said something about how it was with his work or something from his work. Because my dad was going to the Broncos game that night. And my dad had invited him to go to the Broncos game because he had an extra ticket. And he said he couldn't because this is something from work. Chris Watts didn't have a Rockies game to go to. And there were no co-workers he was getting to know. He could have gone to the Broncos game with Jeremy. But he had other things to do. Less than an hour after the babysitter arrived, Chris met Nicole Kessinger at the Lazy Dog restaurant. Over dinner, Chris told Nicole he deleted his Facebook account because she told her friends about him and naturally, he was worried that they would soon check his Facebook and find out he was married and had two kids with another on the way. Over dinner, Nicole and Chris discussed finding him an apartment. Chris told Nicole he was looking for a two-bedroom apartment following his divorce and Nicole was going to help him find a place that week. At about 10pm, their date was over and Nicole was back home. Then, four minutes later at 10.04, Nicole once again opened up Google and typed into the search bar, Chris Watts, then Shanann Watts, then Ronnie Watts, and then 2825 Saratoga Trail. That date would be the first time Nicole and Chris would be seen in public together, usually spending their time at Nicole's place. It would also be the first time Chris Watts would forget about using gift cards to hide his tracks. He paid with his credit card. And of course, Shanann received a notification. At 10.19pm, Shanann searched the menu for Lazy Dog Cafe. Then Chris called Shanann and they spoke for a few minutes. Immediately afterward, Shanann sent him a message. Oh, save your receipt so we can write it off. Shortly after, Chris calls Nicole and the two talk for an hour. It's Officer James. Hi. 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 Um, so I was just calling to see if there's any information you can provide me that you think would be beneficial. That was Addie Maloney. Shanam Watts met a lot of friends through her employment at Lavelle. One of those friends was Addie. Although they didn't live close, they still stayed in touch on social media and would see each other at Thrive events. Addie was with Shanann in Arizona that weekend for the Thrive conference. And Shanann opened up to her and revealed that everything in her marriage was not as perfect in real life. Um, what I know, um, Shanann and I are really close friends. So she's confided in me a lot that things have been not so good between her and Chris. She, she expressed on Sunday night that she was concerned that he was having an affair. Okay. And we all kind of thought, no, you know, there's there's no way that Chris would do that. You know, they seemed like 
just such a perfect couple, but I also knew over the past couple of weeks she's been really just trying to save her marriage because he's been saying things like he didn't want the baby. Um, he didn't... She had canceled their... Um, baby, their gender reveal party. They were, you know, getting a, a lot of friends together to reveal the ge the gender of the baby, and she canceled that because he was just not there. He just was not wanting this baby. Um, I mean, these are all just red flags for me right now. I and and a lot of the a lot of what she told me. We were in a we were in a group this weekend. Okay. We were all together in Arizona. Did she tell you anything in person that she didn't tell you over the text messages? Um. Uh, let me think. Yeah, about the about him cheating. This yep. was last. This was on Sunday night. Um, my flight got canceled, so I ended up we ended up being there an extra night in Arizona. Um, we went out to dinner. And as soon as she walked in to meet me, she just looked very sad. And she said, all right, tell me what you think of this. I found, um, she said, Chris went to a bit. He went to the baseball game with friends. Was that this the Rockies game? Her. The Rockies game, yeah. So Chris told her he Rockies. went to the Rockies? Correct, with friends, a group of guys. Okay. And then... He he was out late, and she knew this because she was communicating with the babysitter that he had hired to go out while, you know, she was away. So she was checking in with the babysitter. So she knew his timeline and when he got home and everything. So what he told her was that he went to eat. He went to get something to eat after, and he said he specifically told her that he had a beer and a salmon dinner. But the bill was $62. And she was very, she thought that that was a little suspicious. So she asked us what we thought. Do we do we think that salmon dinner and a beer could have, could have been $62 or was he with somebody? Sunday, August 12, 2018, was just a normal day for Chris Watts. He woke up and then called Nicole. At 8.46 a.m., they held a 30-minute conversation. Shortly after, Shanann texted Chris to remind him to pack the girls' lunches and backpacks for school the next morning. He said he would. Later that day, Chris brought Bella and Celeste to a birthday party just down the road from their home at Jeremy Lindstorm's. Chris took one of the last known images of his daughter, Celeste. He sent this and one of Bella to Shanann. In the photo, she is sitting at a table, smiling into the camera. Thirteen minutes later, Chris searched Google and saved an image of a volcano spewing lava and smoke. Perhaps it was his interest in volcanoes, but I think he felt like he was about to erupt. Later that night, at 8.20pm, Shanann called Chris and they spoke for about ten minutes. It couldn't have gone well because right after Shanann texted Chris, Sorry I bothered you, I just wanted to talk to you. At 9.09pm, Shanann texted Chris, what kind of vegetables do you want for dinner tomorrow? Chris replied, green beans. Soon after, Shanann told Chris she was ready to come home. I'm ready for bed. 
Shadan's flight was delayed, so she texted Chris. Tried calling you to give you an update. We're starting to board and they announced that our crew isn't here yet, and it's going to be a minimum of an hour before they're here. At 10.21pm, Chris Watts responded. Holy crap, sorry, I passed out on the couch. That's going to be late. It would be the last message she would send to Shanann. At around 1.48am on August 13th, Nicole Atkinson dropped Shanann off at home. On the morning of August 13th, Chris Watts started his work truck at 5.18 a.m. And, according to documents provided by his employer, his truck remained parked at his house for the next 27 minutes. It would be only hours later we would find out why. Communications, this is Stacy. Hi, Stacy. My name's Nicole, and I'm calling because I'm concerned about um, a friend of mine. Um, I dropped her off at her house at two in the morning last night because we were out of town together, and we were on the way back from the airport, and um, issues. And she's pregnant, and I haven't been able to get a hold of her this morning. And I've gone to her house, and her car is there, and stuff like that. But she won't answer the door. She won't answer phone calls. She won't answer text messages. And I'm just really, really concerned. And she had a doctor's appointment this morning, and she didn't go to it. And I'm just, I don't know what to do. I've called him and talked to him, and he said that she went on a play date with her other two daughters. But, like, if she went on a play date, they're both in car seats. Why would she not take a car? To join the discussion and gain access to police reports, interviews, and material related to this episode, head to theunforgivables.com. Content is updated weekly, and you're welcome to review the documents and come to your own conclusions. Thanks for listening to The Watts Tapes. We'll be back next week with a new episode, and you can listen to all the episodes of The Watts Tapes for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, as well as anywhere else you listen to podcasts. If you enjoyed this episode, feel free to leave a five-star review. It really does help. Right now, it's got K9 units, the sheriff's department. Everybody's like they're they're doing their best right now to figure out like if they can get a scent, see where they went. If they went on foot, they went in a car, they went somewhere. And right now, it's just like they've they've been on point. They're going through the house trying to get a scent, and hopefully, they can pick something up to where it's it's going to lead to something. What happened? Uh, she, like, she came home from the airport at 2 a.m. and I left around 5.15, she was still here. And like about 12.10 in that afternoon, her friend Nicole showed up at the door. Like I had texted Shanann a few times that day, called her, say, you know. But she never got back to me, but she wasn't getting back to any of her people as well. And that's what 
really concerned a lot of people is like she's not getting back to her like if she doesn't get back to me that's fine like she gets busy during the day but she didn't get back to her people which was very concerning and Nicole called me when she was at the door and that's when I came home and then walked in the house and nothing has vanished nothing was here I mean she wasn't she wasn't here the kids weren't here no nope, nobody was here